This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Hope you're well. Thank you so much for downloading this particular episode. If you don't subscribe, please do so. Hit the subscribe button on iTunes and you'll never miss out on any of our content. Coming up in the next 40 minutes or so, we react to seeing our first ever Ezekiel Choke in the UFC. This guy's a specialist and unusual uh, submissions, but even I was watching the weekend. And when I watched it the weekend, I was like, "What the fuck <laughs> was that?" Nick has some advice for the organisers of the Ultimate Fighter. We need to get President Trump in there. We need to get themselves some Mexicans in there to build a big wall <laughs> to keep these apart. Because I'm talking, this could end up in a street, proper street fight, man. And it doesn't seem that we can go a full episode without talking about the circus that is Conor McGregor. And Floyd Mayweather. It's the shit that won't flush, it won't go away. We tried, we tried to stick it down the toilet. We said that it's going to be an absolute farce, but money talks, man. And money has been talking. He says that he offered him $15 million. $15 million is not enough for Conor McGregor. Now we've got Dana White chucking his hat in the ring saying, well, I've offered him $25 million each. That's not enough, mate. Come on, he's a $100 million fighter, is Floyd Mayweather. This is real. This is going to happen, isn't it, Nick? You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome to episode 68 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Thank you so much if you are a subscriber. If you're not a subscriber and you just stumbled across us, go to iTunes, hit the subscribe button, and you'll never miss out on any of our weekly content. We uh, produce three free shows a week, one from our radio show in Liverpool, all catering for the Merseyside boxing scene. On Wednesdays, we tackle boxing as a whole from a worldwide perspective. And then this one on Thursdays, catering for the UFC markets. If you're a big fan of mixed martial arts, this is the show for you. We do one a week for you. Uh, We're also available on social media as well, at Fight Disciples, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Simple as that. Uh, It's not just me, it's this clown as well, having a little bit of a a chat about all sorts of stuff. The man uh, that is the uh, editor-in-chief of the Fighters on the Magazine, uh, Mr Nick Pete. Hello. It's happening. What what was happening? It's happening. Don't listen, you'd shot the gun straight away, aren't you, right? You've gone straight in. All you, all you want to talk about is Floyd Connor. That's it. You just want to talk about the circus. Well, before we get to the monkeys and the elephants and the tigers and the, and the high rope and all that, let's just quickly go back to UFC Phoenix. Okay. Yeah? Because that might be on people's minds from the weekend. Yeah, yeah. We were worried about him. We were uh, worried about him last weekend. You we said, were right to be worried, well, weren't we? Mate, for the last month, you've been telling me that Yara Rodriguez is an absolute killer. He is the future star of the UFC. He's a shooting star already. A lot of people are calling for title shots for this kid already. Yep. Um, and to stick him in with BJ Penn, I thought was a little bit unfair on BJ Penn. Turned out that you were absolutely bang on. To be fair, it lasted around longer than uh, <laughs> than we both anticipated. Yeah, exactly. Well, he was holding. To be honest, the bell saved him, didn't it? At one yeah. point, like uh, BJ is just not the same fighter he was. Which is a shame, man. You don't want those reputations tarred, do you? No, but you know, this is a guy. He hasn't he hasn't won a fight in seven years. The the problem with the UFC is the problem that the UFC have got. Sorry, is the fact that BJ Ben is an absolute legend. So. If they cut him loose, you better believe Bellator or someone, you know, he's going to get scooped up. People are going to give him fights because he's BJ Penn. And he sells tickets, man. And he sells tickets and he talks the talk. When you listen to BJ, he convinces you. In the build-up to this fight, he's yeah. in press week, he's like, you know... Kicking put, ass, put he's timeless. Your, yeah. I, think he, I think he put on his social media, 
empty your bank account, put it all on me, I'm back. You know, that kind of thing. You just like, he, he, he sucks you, didn't you? Like, oh, maybe he is. You know, maybe now he's with Jackson. Is he in there? <laughs> but then typical BJ, you know, he's got like three head coaches in his corner. You know, he's all over the place as usual. And then he gets in there and he, and he looks like the BJ that we've had for the last seven years or whatever it is, the guy that's only won one fight since 2010. And that's a BJ that's an old man now. You know, mm. the, the, the sport has moved on. All the he, time waits for nobody. Time got him. It's got him. He, he, you know, it's choked him out, man. I mean, how many times do we need to see BJ Penn get beat up and stopped? You know, this absolute legend of the game. Mm. How many times do we need to see it before, you know, someone talks some sense into him? But this is what he does. This is what BJ's all about. He's a fighter. You know, he, he doesn't want to do anything else. Mm. He can't do anything else. He doesn't need the money. You know, he, he's from a very a family that he never needed the money. You know, he's always been from wealthy a, family, a wealthy it? family in Hawaii. Yeah. So he's just a born fighter. But I just wish he'd stick to grappling and, 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 BJ, and G, BJJ tournaments because, you know, mixed martial arts as a sport. These guys like Yard Rodriguez and stuff, they've caught up with him now. And, you know, we, we asked last week why the UFC have done this. Potentially now are we are we kind of thinking this is the UFC's way of saying to BJ you're not good enough it, anymore sling your up yeah so because I'm sure the um, you know when it, when it, whether you love them or loathe them Dana is Dana White the UFC president's pretty responsible with these legends and he's usually first to go come on that's it now Chuck Liddell he pulled them out of there you know a lot of these guys Matthews pulled them out of there before it gets before it takes something away from them. So he's no doubt he's been all over BJ, but BJ's a grown man. He's a legend, and if he wants to keep going, if he wants to keep convincing us he can keep going, then you know at the end of the day, Dano can only say so many times. Or you know, I just think in this matchup, putting him in with Yard Rodriguez, who is a killer, who has got a massive future in this sport. He was young, hungry, hits like a freight train, is massive for a featherweight, and is so dynamic. Yeah. That it's impossible to know what he's going to do next. To put him in with somebody like that basically stinks of. Listen, let's. We can only tell BJ so many times before we've just got to show him, and we'll put him on. Put him in there with someone that's top ten ranked, and we'll let the top ten ranked guy do what he's going to do. And unfortunately for BJ, you know he's got to try and come to terms now with the fact that his career's over. He hasn't announced in the aftermath that he's retired. You know, knowing BJ and the way he's been the last few years. He probably will still keep going. I just hope the UFC are able to go, you know what, BJ, you're not with us. That's not happening with us anymore because you know, I don't want to... BJ Penn, a lot of the reason, you put it on our social, I don't know, a lot of the reason our generation got into watching the UFC, yeah, got man. into mixed martial arts, guys, an icon, things he achieved when he won the welterweight title, beat Matt Hughes, and then he come back and won the lightweight title, everything else. Phenomenal. You know, one of only... Three guys to be a multi-weight world champion in the UFC: BJ, Randy Couture, and obviously now Conor McGregor. So his legacy—he's already in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't need to prove anything else. There's nothing left to prove. Um, we just don't want to see him. I just don't want to see him fight anymore. I've had enough of BJ Penn. The only time I want to see BJ Penn knife fight now is when I switch on UFC Fight Pass and I watch all reruns of his glory days because uh, you know. It, it was tough watching in the end, wasn't it? It was pretty. It was pretty tough to see. Mm. But he, he just even though like even though man. I was delighted with Yar Rodriguez's performance, and I think he hasn't got enough credit in the in the aftermath because obviously everybody's talking BJ Penn. Yeah. I, 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 like you just mentioned, dynamic fighter comes from all different angles. Uses br- his feet brilliantly. Uses yep. his arms, but he's, he's just awesome. And he's going to be a world champion at some point. 
you just you just felt oh it's PJ I don't I don't want that to happen to him just you know let's hang it up finish off Yar Rodriguez can crack on and hopefully go on to uh, maybe dominate uh, this this division luckily for me there were other talking points from yep. UFC Phoenix yep. yeah that kind of distracted me a little bit I mean the whole Joe Lauzon thing where he got the decision and disagreed with the referees yeah. I thought when that happens, I mean, your mate Dan Hardy put this brilliantly on social media. When the guy that wins the fight disagrees with winning the fight from the yeah. from the judges, you know you've got a problem, and you need to you need to look into uh, the way that fights are scored. You know, I thought big time for, for the first judge when he read it out and he said it's a split. You know, we've got a split decision. I thought, oh god, what's one of the judges been doing here? And the first score, thirty twenty sevens are held. I thought, well, yeah, well that's that's obviously what happened. Yeah. <laughs> then the next one, twenty nine twenty eight Laos on. I thought, oh god, that guy's gonna get some stick in the morning. Fully twenty nine twenty eight, and you're like, wow, another guy had it that close. Okay, Laos on again. You think, oh my, for two of them to get it that wrong. Yeah. Is uh, is quite fair play to Joe Laos on though. Oh yeah, but he's a, fair, Joe Laos on is. You know, an absolute diamond of a guy, one of the nicest guys, you know, certainly in the UFC, you know, complete family man, really nice bloke. And, uh, you know, he's not there to cheat anyone. And, and as Joe said, you know, in his previous fight, he was on the receiving end. You know, he got robbed against Jim Miller, you know, in that fight of the night against Jim Miller. He should have got that decision. So um, the fact that it went against them this time around, I think that's why he was quick to jump on it and be like, come on, I've just come in, I've just come out of a fight where I got robbed. I ain't robbing someone else. I'm going to make a point to uh, to stand up, Mars and Hell, because Held grappling is unreal. Joe Lauzon's unreal grappling as well, but Mars and Held's like a BJJ, you know, super whiz, if you like. You know, this guy's absolute mustard. And, he, and, and, he, and Lauzon was right. Held did dominate the fight when it was in the grappling quarters which was most of the fight um it's just got to be frustrating obviously for hell but more embarrassing for the ufc let's be honest because them judges two of them judges needed to be taken outside and slapped around to be totally honest with you maybe they're a little bit uh dumbfounded with the ezekiel chalk mate maybe that's what From it was. earlier on yeah exactly <laughs> that's worth checking to see if it was the same judges actually yeah that was i've never seen that no. I don't. I don't even know if it's ever happened in the UFC before no, on any fight nights. That, that was the first ever Ezekiel choke in the UFC. Wow, man! Yeah, that was Crazy. unbelievable. For those that haven't seen it, it's, it's Ezekiel choke from bottom, whilst Victor Pesta was he was in mount. If I'm yeah. right in describing this, he was in mount. Alexei Olenek was on the was underneath him. Yeah, and he choked him out from that position. It was unbelievable. I was like, "What's happening here?" And then exactly. all of a sudden, I just saw him tap. I'm like, "What?" It's a strange one because the Ezekiel choke, really, you need a gi for that because the way it's taught is you, you hold on to the gi, the cuff yeah. of the gi, yeah. and you basically use the material of the gi to choke someone out. He so did it with his wrist, didn't he? That's what I mean. It's quite unusual to see it in a no-gi situation because, as you say, it's taught by grabbing onto the cuff of the gi. So to see it here is quite unusual, yet not unless you are this guy, Olienchuk, because this guy's done that. I think it's 16 times now in his career. He's wow. won by Ezekiel Choke. So he is a specialist. You know, he's obviously a, a multiple Sambo, combat Sambo, four-time black belt or whatever he is. This guy's an absolute grappling sensation. He's been fighting for an awful long time as well. I think he made his pro debut like 20 years ago. So this is a guy that's UFC debut has been an awful long time coming. So this guy's a specialist in unusual uh, submissions, but even I was watching it the weekend. When I watched it the weekend, I was like, "What the fuck <laughs> was that?" 
you know, because yeah. I'd heard about this guy and this Ezekiel Choke mask and he's coming to the UFC and blah, blah. And I'd never really paid much attention because we've never seen one before. And at UFC level, you see, you know what, a lot of grapplers will probably argue at this level, you shouldn't be getting choked out with an Ezekiel Choke. You know, it shouldn't really be possible. It's kind of, it's it's not embarrassing, but it's a little bit like, you know, it's quite a... It's easy to defend against. Yeah, exactly, yeah. As long as, especially with a guy that's got 16 in the Monas record already, Victor <laughs> Pester should have just been like, right, okay, this is how an Ezekiel choke works. I'm in this position now. I've got to stay inside control. I've got to try and move, you know, I've got to defend this before I do anything else. But instead, he moves into full mount, which mm. is basically handing the submission to uh, Chuck anyway. So it was, uh, it was a weird one. But, you know... It, it's always good to see interesting stuff like that, and it gets us all gets us all excited. One thing that you have uh, been championing since uh, Amanda Nunes obviously became world champion is yep. obviously the love story with her and her girlfriend uh, Nina Ansaroff. Nina Ansaroff was in action at the weekend, sensational performance from her. She picks up a victory. Mm-hmm. Who jumps in the ring and gives her a cuddle, and it all goes crazy? Of course, it's Amanda Nunes. Do you think maybe the UFC are starting to think to themselves, "Hey, maybe there's a storyline here we should jump on"? Well, it's about time. <laughs> it's about time. Let's be honest with you, because it's the best story in the UFC. FC right now, you know it's uh, it's the biggest love story that the, the sport's ever seen. We, you know we've we've had two fighters going at the same time. Obviously, uh, Misha Tate and, and uh, Brian Callaway most recently, even though they're separated now, they've obviously had a relationship for some time. Obviously, Travis Brown, Ronda Rousey. Rousey. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily anything brand new, but it's just the fact that obviously both these both these are girls. You know, it's the same sex thing, but also. You know, one's a champion, the other one's climbing up the the roster. You know, I think this the the whole story, the whole background of it, could really help towards Nina Ansaroff getting a title shot. Uh, she's not had the greatest start to a UFC run with two defeats, but that was a big win at the weekend for her. I think doors are going to be open for her now, purely based on that relationship that she's uh, that she's obviously got with the champion with Nunes. Mm. So. Uh, it's an exciting time. Like it's exciting that the UFC are finally going to get on the end of this because it, it is an incredible story. You know, I won't go over it again. We spoke about it in a previous podcast, but for the, for these two women to be locked in this incredible romance while training alongside each other, driving each other to win world titles and challenge for world title belts is uh, is mega. And that's what the UFC used to be all about. Like the narrative, the great yeah. stories, and telling them to us. So it's uh, again, it's a it's another weird one that will will kind of tick off as okay the new owners are just getting their feet under the desk but uh you know it's uh, it's good to see them finally getting on the end of it speaking of narratives um obviously we knew that Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw will at some point meet each other why not chuck them back in the tough house man chuck yeah. them back in there let's make them head coaches let's get a little bit of juice flowing no pun intended uh and then uh, we'll obviously culminate that with a tough final where these two go toe to toe uh, for that belt that Cody Garbrandt that looks so brilliantly around his waist, my man. Are you surprised that these two are the uh, the coaches? Um, I am a little bit... I'm not necessarily surprised on behalf of Cody Garbrandt because they want to now jump on his popularity because, as we know, that performance at 207, that kid just went into a different, whole different stratosphere. No one expected him to do that today, Dominic Cruz. We were waxing lyrical about it last week. Phenomenal performance, genuine superstar for 2017 so I get why they've got him in as coach I just can't believe it's difficult to understand why TJ accepted this because there's so much dirt there already there's so much obviously TJ was a member of Team Alpha Male 
He left Team Alpha Bale to stick with Dane Rudwig. The separation was played out in public and was very ugly at times. A lot of name calling and everything else. And it was right after uh, the episode of The Ultimate Fighter where you had Uriah Faber and Conor McGregor as coaches. Yeah. And they had TJ on and Conor McGregor. Cody was in one of those camps. Well, exactly. Cody was there as well. He was with he was with uh, Uriah. And they had Co- TJ come in as a guest coach for one of the episodes. And Conor called him a snake and was like, why are you letting him back in? He's a snake. He's, you know. And then now, obviously, Cody's come out and said, Conor was right. He was a snake. Yeah. You know, it's... it's there's so much there, but as I say, it's it's all going to be on TJ. It's all going to be played out in public. You're going to have, obviously, Dwayne Ludwig, I'm sure, is going to be one of TJ's coaches on his team. So, it's it, to be honest, this could be one of the messiest uh, toughs ever in the 25th episode. But, you know, people have complained about tough tough in recent years. You know, our fans, you know, we get readers all the time of Fighters Only complain about it why is it still going all that it's saved it's t- purpose you know it, it's it's old and it's stale now but the previous episode the season was pretty good with the flyweights you know obviously the winner fights Demetrius Johnson it's kind of interesting uh, I kind of like the certainly early on I like the, the episode that they did which was American Top Team against Black Zillions uh, mm. because that had a little bit of needle behind it as well it, it petered out but it was pretty interesting at times this one is kind of unmissable I really don't want to miss any of this show because there's just the camps. Forget about the the 16 fighters or whatever that actually get on the show. Right now, I don't care about them. I just want to see Cody Garbrandt and Team Alpha Male in one corner of the gym and TJ Dillashaw and Dwayne Ludwig and their little click in the other side of the gym because on a, they're going to need to have a, a, a wall right down the middle. You need to get We need to get President Trump in there. We need to get themselves some Mexicans in there to build a big <laughs> wall to keep these apart because I'm talking this could end up in a street, proper street fight. Man, there's a lot of hotheads there. Cody yeah, doesn't mess exactly. about, man. Does he goes. Does he? Does he? Does he, <laughs> he goes. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's fascinating. Fascinating. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, I wish there was a flying wall Jordan filming of that one. The outtakes would probably sell DVDs all on its own, I'm sure. But uh, I mentioned it there, though, just to pick up on a, a bit of news from this week. Black Zillions. What's going that? on? I saw Rashad coming yeah. out and talking about that it's all breaking up. People are leaving. It's not the same as it used to be. What's the score? Well, he's come out on his social media and basically said, uh, sorry, it was an interview with uh, Hawani on the MMA Hour. And he basically said, you know, Black Zillions is no more. You know, uh, they sold the gym, the land, the gym that they previously had. They sold. They moved to a temporary gym under pretense that they were going to build a new gym. The new gym uh, dragged out and dragged on. Then they fell out with the owners of the temporary gym. So a lot of the guys weren't welcome there. But then some of the guys were still training there. And Rashad said it just got really messy, and it was just like you know, basically the the whole gym is just like fractured now. Obviously the. The, the the turning point for Black Zillions really was when Henry Hoof, the the Dutch striking coach, yeah. moved to Florida to become the striking coach there. You know, and that really, uh, I know there was other great additions later on. Neil Mallinson, the the wrestling coach, came over from Extreme Couture in Las Vegas and uh, brought Michael Chandler and you know stuff like that. So there there was big additions later on, and there's you know they built a real strong team. But uh, clearly, over the last twelve months, things have completely and utterly imploded, and that might explain, you know. Aside from say Rumble, it might explain why we've seen some inconsistencies there. Obviously, Rashad can't get fit. Uh, Vita Belfour's uh, no longer training there. Guys are leaving. Guys are staying, and maybe this explains it all. Maybe they, they've kind of imploded. So Glenn Robinson, who's the who's the owner of uh, 
of Black Zillions. He's like the main man. There. He's yet to come out and reveal a statement as you know while we're speaking now. So maybe we'll get some uh, new light cast on it in the, in the coming days. But for now, from what we can tell, the old Black Zillions is no more. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Now, from Jim's crumbling down uh, to new rules in the octagon, my friend. This was uh, interesting. Uh... Uh, little note that I picked up the other day. Changes to the unified rules of MMA. Redefined rules on grounded opponents. A single hand is now considered a standing fighter. I'd say something, there's going to be some cheap shots going in there, left, right yep. and centre, isn't there? Um, added foul on fingers outstretched towards opponents. Yeah, I'm glad that one's coming. That, that was, A lot uh, of people have been complaining about that with pokes in the eye and various things like that, haven't they, over the year? Yeah. Um, that's basically a, fi- a fighter extending arm with an open hand as fingers point towards the opponent is now a foul. Uh, and the third one on this list is that no longer a foul to heel strike the kidney from the bottom position. Yeah. What do you make of the changes? Um, I think they were probably all coming. I think the fingers one's very important. That should be called as a foul. Uh, that's something we don't actually see outside of the UFC in, 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 in Bellator, for instance, because they have a different type of glove. It's like a curved glove yeah. that Everlast make for them. So it's it's it really is quite difficult to poke out your fingers. But it's something obviously that's you know horns of John Jones throughout his career. People have often criticised him for pushing that straight arm straight out with your fingers. Uh, because it is so dangerous because you can't move forward because there's a, you know there's there's four fingers pointing right in your face so mm. I'm glad that rule's come in the one thing that did surprise me was that the the uh, 12 to 6 elbow rule wasn't addressed you know mm. that that's something speaking of John Jones again obviously the the, the <laughs> one disqualification on his record is because of 12 to 6 elbows um just explain it Nick what people what 12 to 6 elbows is the, so the tw- it's it's purely that it's it's throwing an elbow where your your fist goes directly up, up directly down. upwards and straight down on the top of someone's um, yeah. On, on the top of someone's head or their face or whatever, you yeah, know, yeah. that that was that was brought in quite early on in the unified rules, and it was it wasn't necessarily by the by the likes of Big John McCarthy and the people within uh, the UFC at the time who were building the rules. It was it was insisted upon by some medical practitioners at the time, whichever doctors they had advised, and they said, oh yeah, you know, that that actual motion straight up and straight down with the point of an elbow, you could smash somebody's skull with that kind of movement and stuff mm. like that obviously now we've seen you know a, a two decades of mixed martial arts we know that that's not the case at all um so that's it's a rule really that most of us thought was going to be addressed and and obviously turned around it's weird that they've not addressed that one yet they have addressed the uh, liver kicking the kidney, on the yeah. ground on the kidney kicks on mm. the ground you know because they're both they were both quite traditionally Oh, that's way too dangerous. You can't do that. Now, in reality, we realise that that you know that isn't specifically the case. So, but but other than that, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, all these rule changes are good. It means that you know the, the sport is becoming more mainstream because the sport's getting a lot more focused now, and we're taking that that grounded opponent one as well. I've read that rule over and over. It's still a little bit murky to me mm. because that point of contact thing that Joe Rogan likes to talk about, and then you speak to John McCarthy and John McCarthy saying the point of contact thing. Ignore that. That's not really what it is. It's the base of your feet have got to be on the mat, and, and you know, and all this kind of stuff. They still need to kind of clarify that one, I think, because that's still a little bit murky. But um, anything that stops guys, we we hate it, don't we, Adam? Where guys put one finger on the ground to stop themselves from being kneed in the face when they're up against the fence. You know, it, it's a stalling technique. You know, it it it's not great. It's certainly not good sportsmanship. So, I'm kind of glad they've addressed it. But then I'm kind of not sure whether they have or not. So, be interesting to see how that rule plays out. 
You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Now then, I'm taking um, full credit for this because obviously we were having a little bit of a mourn of uh, certain fights not necessarily being made. Things have started to move, Nick. Yep. Last week we were obviously shouting, the week before we were shouting about UFC 208 and UFC 209. Fights now since our last conversation last week have started to be um, publicly announced. For example, at 209, we knew that Ferguson uh, Nemegomedov was going to be made. He's in for an interim belt. Well done. They've nailed yep. it down. Woodley Wonderboy 2, we spat ball on that last week. Uh, and then the moment we release our podcast, it gets announced. Well yep. done. Thanks for that, UFC. Great stuff. You're obviously listening to <laughs> us. Uh, but more importantly, UFC 208 is where our attention was last week. We were mourning, basically, that Holly Holm, her uh, title efforts, uh, wasn't enough, really, to get my juices flowing no, for UFC 208. Not for a pay-per-view. Absolutely wasn't. not. We mentioned Jack Ray being on that. Um, again, against Tim Boch, which, again, doesn't really excite us because we think Jack Ray will not uh, mow him down. So what do they do, my friend? What do they do? They go to their little black book of uh, top-class fighters who can save a card. Oh, Brock's been banned for drugs. Next on the list, Anderson Silva. What's he doing? I'll tell you what, let's get him in with Derek Brunson and see what happens. Boom! In we go. Well, they, as you say, we had, they had to do something. They had to bolster that card a little bit. Uh, if I was Robert Whitsker, I'd be devastated. You know, I'm sure Robert Whitsker, the Aussie, would... Well, for all we know, he maybe, maybe was offered the fight, but yeah. Robert Whitsker obviously beat Derek Brunson in his last Easily. fight. Easily. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, to fight a legend like Anderson Silva, I've been very surprised if Robert Whitsker turned that fight, fight down. So, from that perspective, I bet he's a little bit disappointed. But, uh, again... The thing with Anderson these days, it's like, you know, last win against Stefan Bonner, 2012, hasn't won a fight since. You know, are we are we are we getting into the BJ territory now? You know, what what's it going to take for him? He wants Conor, mate. He's been talking about wanting Conor. <laughs> he says he wants to slap the head off the dwarf. That's what he said. <laughs> Everybody wants Conor, buddy. Yeah. Everybody wants Conor for one reason and one reason only. The all want Conor. So listen. To be fair, yes, the fight itself with Derek Brunson is like okay. Derek Brunson he gets spanked off Robert Whittaker. We spoke. Yeah. We spoke about that on this show. We loved the, the performance from Robert Whittaker. But yeah. for UFC 208, it needed that name. It, it did. Yeah, and Anderson Silva, regardless of where he's at, 2012, yeah. his last victory, he is that name, mate. Of course he is. You know, he's someone we'll all tune in for. It's and especially that the American in Brooklyn, audience will pay for. Yeah, especially in, so. especially where it is as well. You know what I mean? They've been they've been starved of UFC action, haven't they? Yeah. Over that period of time. So therefore, for him to be there, he's going to sell tickets. He'll sell pay per views. People are going to tune in. Yeah, I'd be buzzing if I was uh, Holly Holm, obviously, because you know, and and uh, Jermaine Durandamay, because both those girls being in a title fight on a pay per view card will get a slice of the pay per view action. So yeah. they were probably looking at a, a Reebok style paycheck prior to Anderson being added, but now Anderson's on there. You can add a couple of zeros to their pay per view dollars, I'm sure. So it's uh, it's good for the card, you know. The, again, the Jackeray Tim boasting, it's another little bit of a head scratcher to be honest with you. But at least Jackeray's getting out there and keeping busy. I like Tashira versus Jared Kanye because I like Kanye. I think this guy's doing something. And then you've got the beast Derek Lewis mm. against Travis Brown. It's going to be interesting to see who's going to be in Travis Brown's corner that night as well. Ronda. Well, exactly. <laughs> is he going to stay? Is he going to stay with you know with the whole that whole Edmund. camp that Glendale camp with Edmund and everything? Yeah. Or are we going to see him move somewhere else because of the fallout of it all? It's mm. going to be interesting because obviously if Travis stays loyal to Edmund after what's happened, then. I guess if Ronda ever fights again, she's probably going to stay loyal to Edmund too. Mm. So it's going to be an interesting one. No, um, other fights that have been announced this week, which are obviously 
key to us because we have no doubt we'll be attending March the 18th. Make sure you're subscribing to our podcast because hopefully we'll have some tickets to dish out for March uh, the 18th in London, UFC London. They started announcing fights uh, and one of the things that came off the back of those fights being announced, even though we love Dear Keese and all these guys that we love and want to see fight, um, it's going to be Brad Pickett's last ride out, man. Yeah, yeah. Brad's a good mate of mine. He's a diamond and, um, you know, I'm glad he's going out in a fight in London because he deserves it. Of course he does. Um, I feel sorry for Henry Briones uh, because we will see Brad Pickett, a man on a mission. And 18,000 people screaming for one exactly. dude. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know when they start when when Chaz and Dave comes on there and he, we see him strut out with his granddad's hat and he's carrying a copy of the Daily Telegraph like he likes to do and he's moseying down to the cage, it'll be a little bit of a... I'll have a little tear in my eye there. Absolutely, because, man. Uh, he's been you know, awesome. Brad's been an absolute pioneer for the sport in this country and uh, to see him make that ring walk one last time is going to be pretty emotional, but uh, I'm super excited for it. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I might have missed this. I know that you're, you've got your finger on the pulse. Um, I haven't seen that Jimmy Manuel has been named against Corey Anderson on this particular fight. I'm, I'm told yeah. that it's, hap- it's happening. It is happening, yeah. It is happening. Uh, last I heard, it was going to be the main event as yeah, well, same. but everything's gone a little bit quiet on that now. So, uh, obviously, from a from a British fight fan perspective, we want to see the biggest stars, the biggest names, the biggest fights. So, I think a lot of fans will be a little bit a little bit disappointed if Jimmy versus Corey Anderson's the main event. That's no knock on Jimmy at all, but, you know, Jimmy's one of us. We've seen a lot of Jimmy Manor. We've seen him on a lot of cards. You Good know, guy, it's, yeah. It's always nice to see someone, you know, one of the so-called bigger names, if you like, on a card. So hopefully there's a there's a big announcement to come. Hopefully there's a, you know, uh, a, a, a more of a marquee name, if you like. Get it, my mate Musassi on. Musassi sells it all day long. Get my boy in there. He'll yeah, sort it out. Musassi loves it, doesn't he? <laughs> and we love Musassi, so... That that would be pretty awesome, but uh, but yeah, I think Jimmy Corey Anderson from from what I've heard right now, that's that's the marquee fight, and that's the fight they're selling on. And uh, listen, the old two in, it'll sell out anyway. Right, away from fights being made this week, the, uh, there's there's news obviously that's going on outside the octagon. You started this blooming podcast talking about the circus. We are going to finish with it, all right? So yep. just hold your horses for a second, because there seems to be a bit of a circus kicking off around Mark Hunt. Yeah. Now, we know that Mark Hunt is going to be at UFC 209. He's going to be taking on Alistair Rovereem. He says that he's been his hand has been forced to supposed to take that fight because he needs to feed his family. Um, and then as soon as the fight's been made, two days later, he announces that he is suing his employer. He's suing the UFC. He's filed a lawsuit against them. How is this going to play out? It's, uh, it's strange, but the timing, you know, I get the timing of Mark Hunt, obviously, Contractually, if Mark Hunt gets offered a fight by the UFC and he accepts it and everything else, then the UFC are contractually obliged now to give him that fight. They've offered him it. He started his camp. You know, he's committing, if you like, to making that fight happen. So I understand the timing of it. It's been pretty shrewd by Mark Hunt. Obviously, it puts the UFC in a kind of weird position because they've now got a guy on a pay-per-view card on the on the main card of a pay-per-view card. so He's taking them to court. That's actually going to be taking them to court. That's trying to prosecute them, but they can't pull him from the card now because he could then prosecute them for loss of earnings because they've contractually put him on this card. So kind of shrewd by Mark Hunt to wait until 24 hours after the fight with Overeem's announced to then drop the bombshell that, by the way, I'll see you in court. Mm. Shrewd by Mark Hunt. Going to be weird. 
going to be weird in Las Vegas that week around Mark Hunt Absolutely. because he's taking him to court for he wants assurances, doesn't he? That, that uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he's taking them to court for all manner of things that yeah. he, he he's gross negligence. He's basically saying that they were fully aware that Brock Lesnar was not only juiced up to the gills, but they, they were going to offer it. Brock Lesnar the fight four months before they announced it. Um, by not announcing it, obviously Brock came in, didn't really have to do much drug testing for the run-up to the fight because nobody knew he was on the bill. Then when he did just kind of turn up for the fight, they drug test him there and then. Obviously the results wouldn't come in until after the fight. He kind of, is a, he's, he's basically saying, I'm going to see you in court because you knew about all that. It was all orchestrated. You knew he was going to fail a test. You put my life at risk. You put my health at They've risk. They've done it for blah, company blah, blah, games blah. because it was UFC 200. Exactly. So he's basically saying, you know, we're going to court and you're going to pay me kind of thing. So... But by doing it after the fight with Overeem was announced, as I say, he's committed now. They're committed now to putting him on this fight, this fight card against Overeem at UFC 209. And there's no way that fight doesn't make the main card because it's a huge fight. Absolutely. So it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird because obviously they ain't going to want to promote Mark Hunt. They ain't going to want to, you know, because as far as I'm concerned, this is the last ever time we'll see Mark Hunt in the UFC because if he pushes on with this court case, if it doesn't get settled out of court, then you know basically they ain't they ain't ever going to put his anywhere his way again, so it's a it's a strange situation and uh, I don't envy Mark Hunt, but you know what? It's like Mark, does do you think Mark Hunt gives a shit? Does he help? <laughs> does he help? Because he's obviously taking legal advice and that legal advice is steering him to say you can earn more money taking them to court than you will if you continue fighting for the next ten years. So yeah, fair enough. It's a, it's a weird one, but I wish it was I wish it was in Vegas for that week. Let me tell you. Speaking about money, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get in there. Let's get into the circus, my man. Because as we said, it's the shit that won't flush. It won't go away. We tried. We tried to stick it down the toilet. We said that it's going to be an absolute farce. But money talks, man, and money has been talking. He says that he offered him fifteen million dollars. Fifteen million dollars is not enough for Conor McGregor. Now we've got Dana White chucking his hat in the ring saying, well, I've offered him $25 million each. That's not enough, mate. Come on, he's a $100 million fighter, he's Floyd Mayweather. This is real. This is going to happen, isn't it, Nick? I think it is. <laughs> I, I genuinely think it's going to happen. You know, We've been talking about it for six months now, easy. And uh, I've never, ever thought it was... It, I never in that my heart of hearts thought it was going to happen. Now, I've changed now. I'm, I'm 50... 51% sure it will happen. Wow. Because the fact that Floyd went on ESPN, as we know this week in the last seven days, and has said, McGregor's the only fight I'm coming back for. The only fight I'm interested in for that 50th fight. Because of the numbers. It is makes Conor the numbers, McGregor yeah. Because of the numbers. Then he starts talking money. Then you've got Dana White coming out and saying, hey, we can we can talk money. I'll do this. We'll do that. This is how it begins. This is how it begins, tete-a-tete. And it'll keep going up. The money will keep going up. Floyd will probably counter now with a with a 30 million offer or whatever, you know, and it'll it'll keep building up, but somewhere, perhaps not publicly, played out behind closed doors, somewhere a conversation will happen, numbers will be defined, and uh, we could well get the first billion-dollar super fight wow. in history. The thing is, with all, with all this that has happened um, this last seven days, I suppose, regarding Floyd and then the counter-offer from Dana White publicly, and, and Dana's done that publicly, the, the $25 million each thing, right? Yep. Plus a slice of pay-per-views. Personally, I think that's a mistake from Dana and the UFC, and there, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because with them coming out publicly and attaching Conor McGregor to a $25 million purse, where does he go now? If that fight does not happen, future fights 
He's going to be wanting. He's going to be demanding a much higher purse, isn't he? Surely he's not going to be going back down to three million dollars. I think it. If if more than anything, I think it gives us an indicator of what Connor's earning now. You know, I'm not saying he's earning twenty five million per fight, but that's an indicator of what the realm where they value him. Yeah, exactly, and that's kind of, you know, anyone that thinks believes what what Mayweather says and said Connor's only earns two or three million a fight. You're living in a you're living in La La Land. But that is uh, the two or three million. The three million is it's is just actually, disclosed. Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. that's the disclosed thing. We're not talking about his pay per view. That's not share. real money, exactly. That's we don't not know his pay per his pay per view share. Yeah, that's not real money yet. The, the money that you see on, on Wikipedia and that's revealed to the media is given out by the Nevada State Athletic Commission or whatever commission is hosting the UFC events. The UFC is a private limited company. They don't have to reveal to anybody what their wages are. And we we hear all the time from the UFC that what is released by the athletic commissions is sometimes an awful way off what the final payments were. And it wouldn't surprise me that, you know, we spoke about before, Connor's probably in and between 15 and 20 million a fight now already so it doesn't surprise me that they've mixed them on with the 25 million but you're right you know if the if the Mayweather fight doesn't come off when he ends up fighting the winner of Khabib versus Tony Ferguson I, I can't see it but if if that's the way they go Conor McGregor will obviously demand 25 million from the UFC just for that fight I'm sure he will otherwise what's the point of coming back so but interestingly you know the, the closer we get the more Mayweather seems you know talking publicly about it obviously Dana White for the first time it's kind of like yep the door's open let's do it here's some numbers um, the closer we get to it, it it's kind of cool that Connor's not really getting involved Connor's not really come out publicly and spoke about it he's an antenatal mate you know, or a prenatal or whatever they call it he's, he's learning how to do all that nonsense isn't he well the last time I, last time I checked his Twitter he was w- walking around in a pair of Dolce & Gabbana loafers <laughs> with his own logo on so Dolce & Gabbana are making his shoes now which you know you know the, we all live in this world, and Connor lives in a completely different world. Mad. You know, a completely different world. So, it will. It will. As I say, conversations will happen. Hopefully, hopefully it will happen. It, it's weird to say hopefully it will happen because my head, as someone that's covered fight sports for a long time and obviously been a fight fan my entire life, my head says it's a complete and utter mismatch. Massive mismatch. If it's in a boxing ring and it's twelve ounce gloves and it's the Queensbury rules. What the hell are we watching here? You know, it is what it it, it, it we're watching the greatest boxer of this generation, school, an absolute novice professional. Can boxer. you imagine though if Connor catches him and knocks him out? Oh, that's it. Well, there you go. Because that's story. it, isn't it? That's Clo- it. That's close the shot. The book. Close the book. There's no bigger star on the planet. Close the book. That's it. Conor McGregor goes into a different stratosphere, and that's it. The biggest fight star in the history of the planet. Full stop. And this is why it's this is why it's interesting. This is what we'll all get sucked into. Connor's got the power. Connor's got one punch knockout power. Mm. He's much bigger than Mayweather physically. He's a much bigger guy. And you know, obviously, Connor's coming from mixed martial arts, completely different from boxing, completely different. So. Mate, this is Thunderlips against Rocky. This is it what really, this it is. It really is. That's a, that's exactly what it is. But the reason Rocky had a hard time with Thunderlips is because. <laughs> Thunderlips did things that most pro boxers don't do, didn't he? It's weird. I'm trying to rationalise this fight now, but I'm like, people are now searching. What is it? Is it at Rocky Two or Rocky Three where he's where Thunderlips is in there? Thunderlips with Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan is just chucking Rocky round the ring in one of those farcical matches. This is what this is. It's the circus, mate. The circus is here. It's it's bonkers. It's bonkers. But you know, the the more the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I'm. 
I'm like, yeah, but okay, listen, okay. You've got the best boxer this generation, a novice boxer. It only ends one way. He gets completely schooled. He loses every single round. Yes. You've got a guy who's big, strong, has got one-punch knockout power that is going to move completely differently from every opponent that Mayweather's ever faced. He's going to approach the fight differently. He's going to stand differently. He's going to throw weird shots because he's coming from a completely different sport. Will that catch Mayweather off guard? Will Mayweather have to go and spar MMA fighters so so he can get used to that movement, Mm. that wide stance? Or will Conor try and reinvent himself as a professional boxer and and fight behind a a high guard and all that kind of stuff? This This is what we've got to pour over over the next whatever, however months it's going to take them to make it. But we've said from day one, we always said on the show, didn't we, money talks. That's it. Money talks. And this is big money. And at the end of the day, if this is this becomes what it potentially could be, the first billion-dollar fight in history, you better believe it's going to happen. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Just before we clear off for this week, uh, I know we don't normally venture away from the UFC, but there is quite um, a huge mixed martial arts contest going on this weekend with two guys that maybe we grew up watching. Maybe you grew up watching. Um, Tito, man. Tito was like the guy. Tito got me into the UFC. Sensational. When I first seen Tito walking around Las Vegas... uh, as you know, alongside Mike Tyson, who at the time was at his peak as well, it was like, who's that guy with Tyson? And that was when a face kind of went, all right, okay, guy with flame shorts, let's it. And I looked and it was Tito, and then that literally is what got me into watching UFC Bellator 170 happening this weekend. 17 fights, so I know, mate, I know, but obviously, all eyes are on Charles Sonnen against yeah. Tito Ortiz. Yeah, legends tour. <clears throat> there's, there's a we love a backstory. There's a backstory with these. These guys have met wrestling back in the day. Oh, yeah, um, back a, in the day, well back in the day. Yeah, there's a little bit of animosity still, uh, because Charles Sonnen still likes to rub home uh, to Tito Ortiz that he came out victorious in that particular fight. This is a whole different get ball game, man. This isn't wrestling, this isn't cuddling each other, no. this is toe to toe combat. Um, two guys, let's say, in the twilight of, yeah, of, of their career. Yeah. Um, people will argue that this is five, ten years too late, but I don't care. It's two legends in the octagon. I, for one, am going to be tuning in to the Freak Show, um, and I personally think that they might put a little bit of a show on for us because this is a pride thing. Big time, yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, it's uh, it's taking place in the right place as well in California, so there's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of eyes on this. Don't forget... You know, the UFC had a fight card booked for this coming weekend. And they weekend, cancelled it. And they cancelled it. Mm. You know, and one of the strong reasons they did cancel it is because they they realised that this Bellator 170 card was going to do good numbers and they didn't want people to draw a, a direct comparison with their pay-per-view on a, a compared to a spike card, you know, a, which is a which is a, a cable channel, obviously, uh, over in the US. So it's going to do good numbers. Tito versus Chael. Both these guys know how to sell a fight. Oh, Chael's unbelievable, mate, at chatting. Chael's great, yeah. Chael's Sensational great. chat. Yeah, and, and you know, again, you know, I've had the pleasure of speaking to both of these guys a couple of times over the last few years for various interviews for Fighters Only. Both of them are absolutely brilliant guys as well. They can't do enough for you. Consumer professionals. Uh, I was speaking to Chael just less than two weeks ago, actually, about the World MMA Awards and stuff. And, uh, you know, he's an absolute diamond of guy. Total professional. Both these guys will bring it on uh, on Saturday night and uh, and just you know what I, right now because I know them both because I've spoke to them both I, I really can't pick a winner and I don't really want to pick a winner I just hope it's a great fight yes yeah, I really do hope it's a great fight you know it's part of this Bellator Legends tour that Bellator boss Scott Coke has kind of got going I get it 
you know, it, it, it attracts fans. What we need, what they need, obviously, is for the undercard to deliver. To be honest with you, you need the undercard to really shine to keep people, keep people coming back to the Bellator brand. But for us, as as fight fans, we, we're only interested in Chael versus Tito. Let's be honest, and uh, I just hope it's a barnstormer. Absolutely, make sure you check that out. I know it's not UFC, but it'll be definitely worth watching. Bellator 170, Chelsea and Tito Ortiz, top of the bill. Uh, thank you very much for uh, listening to us this week. If you don't subscribe, please do so, man. We, we we do this weekly. We don't want you missing out on any of the content. We knock it out on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so make sure you come and join us. We're on iTunes. Go to Fight Disciples. Hit the subscribe button if you're feeling generous. Maybe write us a, a nice little five-star review. It helps us with our visibility in the iTunes chart. And you can come have a conversation with us on a day-to-day basis on our social media platforms, at Fight Disciples, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, next week, we'll be celebrating somebody's birthday, won't we? Oh, yes. <laughs> the big 3-0. Ah, you're right, lad. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.